Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Whitney and I went home to my parents' house for a few days the week after Christmas, and my younger cousins were going to stay the night, one of the nights that we were there, and the youngest of those three cousins, she's six years old, she decided that she was going to sleep in the same room as Whitney on that night. She would take no other uh, alternatives. And the adults were not cooperating in this situation, and so she was not happy with that. She began to pout. My mom tried to reason with her, tried to explain to her the situation, tried to talk some sense into her, and she just was not having any of it. She was sitting there with her back to everyone in silence, wanting nothing to do with the situation. And a few minutes of that passed. My mom is kind and gracious to her. And eventually she rolls over. She looks at my mom, her great aunt, looks her in the eye, six years old, complete sincerity. She says, you know... I'd be nicer if you gave me some ice cream. (laughs) She didn't get any ice cream that night. Uh, I'm not entirely sure she understood who was in control of the negotiations in that situation. But that was her first step back into a right relationship with those around her. I don't know if she would have articulated all of it that way. But there had been a breakdown in relationship, and she was taking a step towards making amends, trying to make things right. And we've all maybe experienced conflict of some sort at some point between someone that has to be set right. Uh, whether there's been a break, when there has been a breakdown of relationship, I guess if you wanted to, you could just decide that you want nothing to do with that person ever again, never hear from them, never speak to them ever again. But my hunch is at some point or another, there's going to have to be some sort of step towards making things right between the two parties. Maybe it's been a conflict at work with a coworker, and sooner or later you just have to sit down and sort through what has gone wrong because if nothing else we just both have to be able to do our jobs, have to be able to do the thing that we are getting paid to do. Uh, maybe it's been tension between friends or a family member. Maybe there's been one specific blow up or maybe there's just been mounting tension over time and at some point or another hopefully there would be a conversation about making things right to sit down, sort through what has gone wrong and what has to be done to move forward. At some point, we have to ask the question, are are things okay? Like, are we okay? Are things good between us? And that can be an uncomfortable question to ask. I think sometimes we prefer to just not ask it because we're afraid of what the answer might be. It's easier to just go along with awkward tension. It's easier to play Minnesota nice than to ask that question, are, are, are things right between us? Are, are we okay? Because it seems like the older we get, the more difficult it can be to work through the things that are necessary to make things right. I mean, a kid will go to sleep and forget whether or not they were given ice cream before they went to bed the night before. Adults tend to hold on to things a little longer, it seems. And so working through the process of making things right can be difficult. And yet if we truly want 
healing. If we truly want relationships with those around us, we can't avoid that process. There has to be something done to try to mend that break. There has to be something done to try to make things right. And those can be uncomfortable waters to venture into, but if we do, and we do them well, we can find life and healing waiting on the other side. This is the third week of a series that we have called Salvation Spaces. And what we are wanting to do over the course of this series is unpack terms that are related to our salvation, to the life we have in Christ, and to unpack those words by using a passage from the book of Romans and using an image to try to get our arms around what that specific term means. And we started this series two weeks ago by talking about this word gospel. At the opening of the book of Romans, Paul walks through all that the gospel is and shows how it is this story of Jesus, the king of the universe, leaving his throne room in heaven to come to earth as a servant so that we might join his royal family. Last week we looked at Romans 3 and we saw that we had a problem of sin that had to be dealt with and there had to be a price paid, there had to be a sacrifice to deal with that problem of sin. And so in response to that problem, Jesus came to be our sacrifice, to end all sacrifices, to be our propitiation so that our sin might be dealt with and so that God's wrath towards our rebellion could be turned away. That is what Jesus has accomplished for us in his death on the cross. In fulfillment of the promises of God, Jesus died, taking the punishment we deserved so that we might have life with our God. Jesus has done the hard work to mend our relationship with God. And this has been done both to make us right with God and to prove God to prove God faithful to the promises he had made. If you remember the passage we walked through last week, the very last verse of that passage, Romans 3, 26, says that God has done all of this, making Christ our propitiation to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God has proven himself just. He has proven himself right by doing what was necessary to make us right with him. He had said that he would fix this broken relationship that we had created, and now that has happened because of what Jesus had done. And the result is that we are justified. We are made right with God. And that happens when we put our faith, when we put our trust in what Jesus has done for us. Paul lays all that out that comes to a culmination there towards the end of Romans chapter 3, and then he begins to walk through what God has done in Jesus and how it is in line with how God has always worked. And that might seem like a minor detail, that might not seem relevant to us, but it's important for us to get our arms around the faithfulness and the consistency of God. Because if we know that God has been faithful in the past and that God has worked in the past in the same way he has worked in the present, that means we can be confident that he will be consistent, he will be faithful in how he will work in the future. And so in Romans chapter 4, Paul focuses in on Abraham, the forefather of faith from the book of Genesis, and he shows that Abraham was not considered righteous by God because Abraham was a really good moral person. 
Abraham was not considered righteous by God because he did sacrifices better than anyone else that had ever walked to the face of the earth. No, Abraham was considered righteous by God because of his faith. Abraham trusted, he believed in God, and he was considered righteous. We're told that in Genesis 15. And Paul walks us through that story to make the point to us that the same is the case for us. Abraham was considered right in right relationship with God because he had trusted that God would do what he said he would do. And, and in the same way, when we trust in Jesus, we are made right with God. There was a break in our relationship, but because of what Jesus has done, things are made right again. And when we trust in Jesus, we have our justification. This has been the truth that Paul wants us to see over the opening chapters of this letter. He concludes this argument with the last verse of Romans chapter 4, Romans 4.25. He says, he, meaning Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our sins justification. That is the link that ties together what we talked about last week and what we are talking about today. Jesus died because of our sins. He offered himself as a sacrifice on our behalf so that our sin might be dealt with. And he was resurrected from the dead three days later so that we might be justified, so that we might be made right with God. God has done what was necessary to make us right with him so that we might have life. That is what it means to say we have been justified. Paul's using legal imagery to help us get our arms around what Jesus has accomplished. Last week, Paul was using imagery from the world of sacrifice. We had sin that needed to be dealt with. A sacrifice was the way to deal with that sin. And Jesus has offered himself as the sacrifice so that our problem of sin could be dealt with. And that's accurate. Christ has done for us is so rich that we can't stop there. It is like looking at a diamond and turning it in the light so that we can see all of the different uh, ways to appreciate its beauty. And that is where the imagery of justification comes in. It's imagery from the courtroom. It's imagery that says you were standing before the judge and you were guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt and there was nothing you could do to get free, to get out of what you had been charged with and yet when the judge's gavel came down, you were allowed to go free. You weren't allowed to go free because you had a really good defense team, because the judge was just feeling nice that day. You were allowed to go free because someone else did what was necessary. Someone else took the sentence that should have been yours so that you could go free. Jesus has done what we could not have done for ourselves. We were guilty before God. And yet he has made us right. He has justified us and he calls us to trust in him so that we might be made right with God. And if we wanted, we could stop things right there. I mean, we wouldn't have said anything that's inaccurate, but we wouldn't have said everything that could be said. Those who trust in Jesus are justified, made right with God. That is the conclusion of Paul's argument through the first section of this book, but he is far from done. For the past year or so, I have been working through the book of Romans with some of our junior high 
and high school boys, and they are sick of hearing me say this, I'm sure, but I'm going to say it one more time so that you all can hear it as well. But when you read through the book of Romans, it breaks down into four sections that we have to understand as we're reading through this book. And the first section of this book ends after chapter 4. And so as we start reading in chapter 5 today, which we're going to do in just a, a little bit, we're starting a new section of the book of Romans, but everything that Paul is going to say in this second section is coming straight out of what he has said in the first section of this book. Paul has shown us how we have been justified by Christ, but that is not the end of the story. Uh, there's an understanding of justification that says it's a one-time thing. It is like getting your ticket stamped in heaven, but it doesn't make any difference in the meantime. It doesn't change anything about you, but that is not the reality Paul wants us to see. The story is not, that trusting in, is not just that trusting in Jesus makes us right with God, but that being made right with God transforms every part of who we are. And that is what Paul is working out in the next section of this letter. So we're going to look at the first five verses of this new section, Romans 5, 1 to 5, this morning. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Because of the truths of Romans 1 to 4, that God has been faithful to his promises by sending Jesus, and that Jesus has died as a sacrifice on our behalf so that we might be justified with, justified with God, in right relationship with God, the things that Paul lines out in these verses are true for us. The story does not end with us being handed a not guilty verdict so that then we're free to go back to the things that put us on trial in the first place. That's where we need to be careful that we don't push this legal imagery too far because you could imagine if you got a speeding ticket and you were guilty, there was nothing you could do to get off it. They had you on those cameras uh, clocking you at going over the speed limit. That if someone else came in and paid that speeding ticket for you, that is a nice thing, that's a gracious thing. Someone else is paying the penalty that should have been yours, but there's nothing in doing that act necessarily on its own that guarantees you won't speed in the future. Uh, you could hope that, you know, taking this brush with the law and almost getting in trouble with uh, the, tr the, the powers that be would transform something about how you drive, but there's nothing that guarantees that. There's nothing that, that forces you to live differently in light of experiencing that act on your behalf. And that is not the kind of life God, with God that Paul is calling us to when he speaks of us being justified by putting our faith in Christ. Being justified by Christ transforms us. It is not getting some paperwork that's getting the end of life sorted out so that you can do whatever you want in the meantime. Having our relationship with God made right means every other relationship, every other part of our existence is made right as well. Because we have been made right with God, we have peace with God. 
That does not just mean there's no longer conflict. It means that because of Jesus, we can have what is referred to in the Old Testament as shalom. Our relationship with God being everything it was intended to be and everything around us functioning as God created it to function as a result. Jesus making us right with God brings peace. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, peace with those around us. We no longer have to fight the battles day in and day out of trying to justify ourselves to God, to ourselves, or to those around us. Jesus has justified us. That means we don't have to justify ourselves. And that's a good thing because our attempts to justify ourselves never quite measure up. They always leave us restless, thinking maybe we just need a little more. We might think we just need to do a few more good deeds and then we will be fine with God. We will be able to stand before God in the clear as being a good person that he would accept. But it's never enough. We might think we need to accomplish just a little more and then that inner tension, that anxiety that that plagues me, that keeps me up at night, maybe that inner voice would quiet down if I just did a little more. And it never does. We might think we we just need to do a little more and then we would be respected at our jobs or with our peers, with those around us, whoever it is that we look to to give us some sense of fulfillment and accomplishment in the world and yet it never quite gets us there. All those efforts will always sooner or later come up short. Whatever it is that we might point to and say, if I have that thing, then my life meaning I, am, I know that I'm a good person, if this thing is true in the world and about me, whatever it is, if that thing is not Jesus, it will eventually break us. But thanks be to God that because of what Christ has done, we are justified with God. We have peace with God. We have that peace because we stand in grace. We are given access into this space we did not have access to before, this space of grace. It's not a space we could have earned our way into. It's a space that Jesus invites us to come and enjoy because of what he has done for us. It's a space that invades every area of our lives. It is a space that is our foundation. It is a space where we stand. When Jesus makes our relationship with God right, grace becomes our foundation. We go to work on the foundation of grace. We sit down to eat meals on the foundation of grace. We drive in traffic on the foundation of grace. We talk on the phone on the foundation of grace. Not earning our way in the world, not trying to prove ourselves to anyone, but living as Jesus would have us to live because we stand on the foundation of grace because grace has made us right with God. When we stand in grace, we no longer boast in ourselves, but in the glory of God, no matter what comes our way. Because we've been justified by what Jesus has done, we live in the world seeking his glory instead of our own, and we experience the life that God desires for us because of what Jesus has done, and that transforms every part of our existence. And that's why it's so important to emphasize that justification is not just something that takes care of our eternity. Because we've been made right with God through Jesus, we approach all of life differently. 
If all our justification did was take care of our eternal destiny, that's all well and good, but that would mean we still don't have an answer for when we face suffering in this world. Because justification means so much more. That means that standing in grace, here and now, gives us a completely different outlook on whatever life might throw our way. Instead, suffering in this life, as Paul explains in that passage in verses 3 to 5, has the opportunity, if we approach it in the right way, to set us on a progression that forms us into someone that understands who Jesus is and what he has done for us more deeply than we ever would have known otherwise. Suffering for Paul is not the end of the story. It is not the one thing that defeats the argument he is making. It is something that if we endure it well, forms us into someone who looks more like Jesus than we did before. When we understand that we stand in grace because of the justification that Jesus has brought to us, we can look at suffering as an opportunity to grow. And that growth leads to perseverance, holding up in the face of difficulty. That trait of perseverance is then an opportunity to form our character. As we come through the other side of whatever we have gone through, refined like gold that has passed through a fire, our character formed through suffering, at the end of all of that, the result we experience is hope. Hope. It's the thing we all need. Whether we realize it or not, it is the thing that can help us endure no matter what comes our way if we truly have it. The author Viktor Frankl, who survived the Holocaust, once wrote, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. He had lived in concentration camps. He had watched as those who had a purpose to live for whatever it is last much longer than those who did not have such a purpose. If you have a why to live, you can bear with almost any how. And I am here to tell you that those who have a why to live are God's people because the greatest why we will ever have to live is what Christ has done for us. If you understand what Jesus has done for you, it can transform everything about you and about your world. And as I say that, I'm not just advocating for the power of positive thinking. I'm not asking you to make yourself into a better person. I'm suggesting that if we truly understand what Jesus has done for us, if we understand that our relationship with God has been made right, and for that reason we stand in grace, that will turn how we go about life on its head. It doesn't mean you'll never have trouble, but it will mean that you will endure trouble because you stand in grace, because Jesus has made you right with God, and everything else in the world is insignificant when compared to that fact. Standing in grace turns our look at the world upside down. Because we have God's love and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. If you understood that no matter what you encounter, no matter what was waiting for you when you walked out of this building today or what was waiting for you when you walked to work tomorrow morning, that you would walk into that with God's love and God's presence poured into your heart by the presence of the Holy Spirit because Jesus has made you right with him, with God because of his resurrection from the dead, that should transform your perspective on whatever it is. Suffering is no, ma- no longer something to endure alone and not tell anyone about. It is no longer something you just have to survive, something you just have to get through without too much complaining. 
It's something we go through faithfully. It's something we go through, if I can be this bold, with a smile on our face. Not because we were out looking for suffering, not because we're glad that it has found our door, but because we know that God is with us. And because God is with us, he will form us to look more like Jesus because we have been justified by him. And I can say that it's possible because I have seen it done and I've seen it done by some of you who are listening to my voice right now. I've seen you go through pain with joy, not because you were glad life was hard, but because going through it meant you came to a deeper understanding of God's presence than you would have experienced otherwise. I've seen you go through suffering and come out the other side and then turn around and immediately look for people going through the same thing you have gone through so that they might know that if you have made it through it, that they can as well. And you would never say that you were glad to have gone through whatever pain or tragedy or suffering that you have gone through, but now that you have made it through, you want others to know that they can as well. That is what it looks like to approach life from the standpoint of having been justified by Christ. Because Jesus has made us right with God. We stand in grace and walk with others as they learn how to do the same. Justification means that when we trust in Jesus, the gavel comes down and we're declared not guilty. Justification means trust in Jesus. We are given God's yes. And if God has given you a yes, what no will you ever encounter that that could ever trump that creator of all things has said that you are in a right relationship with him what else could ever get in the way of the life he desires for us if you've received that approval you stand in grace and standing in grace changes every other area of life no matter who you are no matter where you are right now my ask of you is that you would stand in grace because that is the life God desires for you because Jesus has made you right with him. Wherever you are this morning, experience the freedom that comes from justification, the freedom to stand in grace. My hope is that you would experience that for yourself and that you would experience that as a part of a community of people. If you're trying to sort that out for yourself, you can go to our website right now and you can go to the tab, The Marion Road, and it will walk you through where you might be in your life right now and what some next steps might be for you as you learn to stand in grace, or you can pick up a physical copy of that at the Welcome Center before you leave today. But don't say all of that because I'm asking you to just go to a website and stare at a screen and on your own. That is just a tool for us to all learn how to stand in grace together side by side it's something we are all figuring out together we're all figuring out what it means to live in light of the fact that Jesus has made us right with God so if you're unsure about what that means if you don't understand how being made right with God intersects with what you are going through right now do not leave this building today without having a conversation about what that means for you you were never expected to figure this out on your own. If you've never followed Jesus, let's have a conversation about what it means to actually be made right with God. If you've followed Jesus but you aren't sure about 
whatever it is you're going through right now, let's talk, let's pray together about where God is leading. Maybe you're trying to figure it out on your own and you need to just lean on those in this church family who want to walk alongside you and help you stand in grace. I don't know where you are right now, but my hope is you will experience the freedom, the peace, that comes from being made right with God through Jesus. Let's watch this video. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the vastness, the richness of salvation of life with you and all that means. That you've invited us into life with you because we earned it or did anything to deserve it, but because of what Christ has done. That you have made us right. You've healed us. you fixed our relationship with you and with one another. And for that reason, you invite us to stand in grace. It transforms everything else about our lives. So God, we ask that you would be with us as we try to learn and experience all that that means. That whatever we go through, whatever we endure, whatever we are facing, that we would go through it while standing on the foundation of grace because Christ has made us right with you. I ask this in your son's name. Amen. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this message given by our own senior pastor, Monty French.